So we're going to be talking a little bit about Ruth 4 today, and that's kind of the weird thing, right? Talking about Ruth, we're finishing Ruth, but it's Christmas. Shouldn't we be talking about Jesus and angels and shepherds and all these other things, animals and mangers? Isn't that what we talk about on Christmas? Well, as a a pastor team at Awaken, we felt like the, the, the short story of Ruth has some really cool truths that tie into Christmas. And we're going to unpack those today. And Ruth is a story about Christmas in two big ways, two little teasers for you guys. Um, The first is that the location of the story happens in Bethlehem, the same place that a thousand years later, Christ will be born. So that's teaser number one. And teaser number two is the story of Ruth also is about how God redeems his people. And we'll look at that in a minute. But we're going to jump into just a quick recap. I know we got a lot of guests. So we'll recap the story for you real quick before we jump in. So I thought we'd do that with some props. Everybody kind of likes props. Um, and so I have what many people have around their fireplaces in the north, not in the south. <laughs> um, stockings. We hang them from our, like, counters in our kitchen when in the south. Um, we do. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. So Ruth chapter 1 is all about tragedy and brokenness and sorrow and pain and hurt. And that's hard to to think about, but let's think about this, kids, and let's think about this, adults. The whole year's gone by. It's Christmas time. You reach into your stocking, and there's something in there. That's exciting. And you're going to pull it out, but you pull it out, and this is what you get. You get a piece of coal. And and we all know that Santa gives coal if you've been bad or naughty. But here's the deal. In the ancient world, if bad things happened to you, it meant that God was angry at you. It meant that you had been naughty or bad. And so in Ruth chapter 1, we come upon this family. Naomi is the wife, and her husband and her sons die. It's very tragic. And the Bible and that culture, the the implications seem to be that she's done something wrong, that she's suffering punishment, that she's been bad. That's how we start the story. It's not a happy story. But later we hear of another character, Ruth, and Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law. She decides to follow Naomi back to Bethlehem. She professes her love for Naomi, but she also professes her love for God. And so there's, in the midst of this lump of coal story, we see some hope. And that's what the second, um, the second chapter in Ruth is all about, hope. Naomi and Ruth, they come back to Bethlehem, and they come back at the season of the barley harvest. Now, I know all of you guys grow barley in your backyard. You guys are kind of into that granola kind of lifestyle going on. But barley was the first harvest of the year, and it was an exciting time. It was the first time you got to kind of eat of the fruit of your labor. So they come back, and all of a sudden they find that there's hope, that there might be someone close to them that will continue on their family line. And then we get to Ruth chapter 3, which is a pretty exciting chapter. This is, this is action. This is kind of like you have this hope. That you're waiting for of a gift underneath a Christmas tree and you see it but you don't know when you're gonna be opening and you don't know if you can open it well Ruth chapter 3 is all about 
This gift being exchanged in the action of Abraham. The gift is presented, and Ruth goes to Boaz, this man who has the possibility of redeeming her, and she says in a few words, laying down at his feet late at night, that she's willing to become his wife if, if he's willing to redeem her. So there's, a, again, beautiful story, and he gives her a gift back. He gives her measures of barley that shows that as a, a godly man, his intention is to do just that. He doesn't leave her hanging. He lets her know what he's going to do the next day. And so, boom, that is Ruth 1, 2, and 3, and now we're in Ruth 4. So those are some helpful images, some helpful thoughts. And so we're going to jump into Ruth 4. If you've got a quick map, quick map up there, cool. So that's kind of what you can see going on. There's Jerusalem, there's Bethlehem. Um, uh, that, this is where we're at. And, and it was really funny. Um, my son the other day just goes, Dad, which direction's north? You know, so I was like, well, you know, north, that's, you know, Canada and the airport and all these things. I got to think about it. He's like, and he's like, how do you know directions? And I'm like, well, how deep do I want to go with my son here? Like, do I want to talk to him about the magnetic field and the axis of the earth and like North Pole and South Pole? Like, where does Santa live? Like, what, like, how am I going to tell him directions? That's hard. And so this is a good one for you guys, adults, and for you kids. Here's how to know the right order of directions. You guys ready for this? Never eat soggy waffles, all right? Never eat soggy waffles. North, east, south, west. Never eat soggy waffles. And what's cool about these directions, and, and we, see, we see people journeying in this, is that when we look at our lives and we look at Scripture, when we look at the Bible, the Bible's kind of like directions for us. But you know what's interesting about that? You can go as deep as you want, there and really explore that or you can stay as shallow as you want and in ruth 4 we're going to watch boaz and we're going to watch even god at work take us deep into what god is all about and into what christ is all about also it is a life truth never eat soggy waffles so ruth 4 1 through 4 and i'm going to just summarize this for you guys real quick so Boaz, he's just told Ruth, he's just given her barley, and he's just saying, I'm going to go figure this out. My intention is to redeem and marry you. But there's someone who's closer than I. There's someone closer in the family line that has the right to marry you first. And so Boaz goes to the city gate. Now, in the ancient world, the city gate was where everything happened at. That was like the commercial square. Um, that's where law cases were solved in the ancient world. That's where business transactions were made. If you wanted to do work, you would go to the city gate. And so Boaz goes right to the city gate. He lines up some witnesses. He lines up the village elders. And he finds this guy and he calls him out and he says, hey, let's talk about some things. That is the importance of the city gate. I love that. And ladies, take note. This is important. Boaz is a man of action. He's not like, hey, let me go level up my video game character for a little bit, and then I'll go, you know, figure out if, if I like you, Ruth, and I want to do me. He doesn't say, hey, I've got a lot of stuff with my job right now, and I'm just really stressed. I've got to go figure out some job stuff first. No, he goes right to action in this pivotal matter. And that's an example of how men operate. And so we've, I've just summarized Ruth 1, 2, 3, a few verses. But here's what Boaz does. In two verses, Boaz sums up the entire story of Ruth so far. So check this out. This is in verses 3 and 4. 
He said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has returned from the land of Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should inform you, buy it back from the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you want to redeem it, do so. But if you do not want to redeem it, tell me so that I will know because there isn't anyone other than you to redeem it, for I am next in line after you. The, and then the, the redeemer said, I want to redeem it, he said. So first of all, I love how like Boaz just summarizes three chapters in two verses. And that's kind of like how we are as guys, right? Just give us the facts, and I will, I will take action, like, right away. That's who we are. I know sometimes that's not a good thing, but sometimes that's actually an incredibly beautiful thing. You see, Boaz, he knew who he was. He knew the heart of God. He knew the law. He knew how to do things the right way. And he said, I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to do it right away. I'm not going to put it off. Men, that's a great challenge for us. If we know the heart, if we know our heart, if we know God's heart, if we know his law, then let's take action. What are we waiting for? So there's a cool word that's introduced here. Um, it's called redeemer. And in the Hebrew, it's kind of a weird sounding word. It's actually like, like two words just kind of mashed together. Uh, ancient languages do that a lot. But the word is called ga'al. And so if everybody wants to say that together, just say ga'al. Great. You guys are expert Hebrew scholars now. Um, so, but this word is really po powerful. Imagine a coin. Just pick a quarter. On one side of the quarter, you have heads, right? And so this word ga'al means, that ga'al means this idea of you have someone who's a, a lover, a redeemer, but then that owl part on the back, the tails part, means someone who's also an avenger, a protector, a guardian. And, and that was the picture for what a man should look like who was protecting his family. A lover, but also a fighter. A guardian, but also an avenger. It's such a beautiful picture, and it's meant to point us exactly back to God. God is that too. God is a lover protector, a redeemer, but he's also an avenger and a judge. And so we're pointing back to God's heart. So let's keep going. So we see in verse 4, right, that all this is for naught. The other guy before Boaz says, I want the land. I want to redeem it. I want to get this property. And so then what Boaz does, he doesn't give up, and he, he gets a little sneaky with this guy. He's like, oh, you do want the property. Well, just so you know, you also got to marry the daughter. And also, everything that you've worked for to this point, and your kids that you'll have with this Ruth, with this Moabitess woman, it's all going to be for Naomi's family line. And the guy's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You just said I was going to get some property. You just said I was going to get some money. You just said I was going to improve my status and my reputation. You didn't say anything about having to guard and protect and give up my own rights for things. And the guy said, I, I don't want to do this. Now, so here's what's interesting about this. And this is all about sandals. And so I brought a sandal. One of my sandals. So the other one is at my house. This one is here. And from now on, I'll never be able to wear this pair of sandals unless I take this back to my house. Well, in the law... If you had someone who did not want to redeem somebody, 
and they were next in line. At the village gate, you would take that man to sandals. And he would be called dude without a sandal. That is literally his Hebrew name from then on. Dude without a sandal. But think about that. Because he did not obey the law of God and the word of God to redeem and protect and to care, the rest of his life, he is going to limp along without a sandal. So let's translate that into our lives. Sometimes when we're not obeying God's word, what are we doing? We're limping along in life because we left our sandals somewhere else. This is a good thing for us to think about. Even kids, this is a good thing for you guys to think about. When you're not obeying God's word, when you're not obeying your parents, what you're really doing is just kind of limping along. So we've got that image, but even adults, let's think about that. Let's think about our responsibilities. Let's think about the things that we want to fulfill to the people that we love, to God. If we're not doing those, we're just limping along in life. Life's too short for us to limp along, guys. And Boaz gets this. So Boaz is staking everything on the fact that he is a lover of God's law. And because he's a lover of God's law, guess what? That means he's a lover of people. It doesn't matter what their gender is. It doesn't matter what their race is. It doesn't matter what their orientation is. He is going to love Ruth, a foreign woman. Boaz takes responsibility, exercises leadership, and calls the guy out. Says, dude, give me your sandal. Go about your way. You're more interested in your career, your reputation. Guys, we can have that in our hearts as well. Just more interested in our lives than in the lives of maybe some of those closest to us. If we just open our eyes and stop giving up our sandals so that we can obey God's word. And then the city elders see all this. They witness all this. They rise up and they bless Boaz. That's in many ways the culmination of the book. It's the climax that Boaz and Ruth are now going to be married, that they're redeemed. And so verses 13 through 17 They're married. The hope is realized. And guess what? They have a son. It's exciting. God enabled and provided for them a son. And then we see women talking again to Naomi. Now, all the way in chapter 1, when Naomi comes back to Bethlehem, the women greet her. They say, is this Naomi? We're so excited you're back. And and Naomi kind of says, hey, y'all, hush. My name was Naomi, which means sweet. But now I'd like to be called Mara. And Mara means bitter. Remember, she's bitter from that lump of coal that life has dealt her. But in the space of a harvest season, that lump of coal is turned into a marriage. And by next barley harvest season, she is sitting in Ruth's board with a son on her lap, full of sweetness once again. Isn't that our life sometimes? we can be so full of just bitterness and pain and wondering where the heck are you God and in a short time all of a sudden we see his goodness and his providence the book of Ruth is really about us we're Naomi 
And the second time the women speak to Naomi, they praise her and they praise what God has done and they see God's hand at work. What's cool is the name of Ruth's and Boaz's son is Obed. Obed in Hebrew means servant. And this is what's really awesome about this name, servant. Ruth, in chapter one, made the decision to follow and serve God and to follow and serve Naomi. In chapter two, Ruth made the decision to follow and serve and roll up her sleeves and get to work providing for this family. In Ruth, chapter three, we see, again, Ruth serve Boaz, laying herself at his feet and saying, I'd like to become married to you. And Boaz, in turn, saying, I'll serve you and redeem you. And then in Ruth 4, we just looked at, we saw two examples. Boaz faithfully following through with his promise of redemption, serving Ruth. But, but get this, more importantly, Boaz was serving the words of God written down in the Torah, written down in Deuteronomy. Boaz was following God's word on how to redeem people. And then we see a foil. We see someone who doesn't. We see not a servant. We see the guy who's just interested in it for himself. And this is what we have, guys. We have the option to be servants and not servants. What's great about that, that all points to Jesus Christ. The prophets would call Jesus the suffering servant. Jesus himself, when he came and walked on this earth, said he was here not to serve himself, but to serve his father. How do we figure out how to serve the father? Well, just like Boaz did and just like Jesus did. Boaz knew the law and he knew God's heart, he knew God's word. Jesus did the same by spending time with him. And so kids, if you're here, one of the most important things you guys can do is just spend time and God's word. Spend time reading the Bible. Adults, if you're here, because we're just big kids too, let's be honest. We're giddy here at Christmas. The same is true for us. We need to get into God's word. So as we close, um, again, why this story? Why Ruth? The last four verses in Ruth um, are a genealogy. If you're like me, sometimes when you read the Bible, well, actually, if you're not like me, because I kind of like genealogies, <laughs> I'm one of those nerdy few. Um, but if you're, if you're reading the Bible and you come across a bunch of names, like most of the time you're like, I don't even know how to pronounce this. Next page. That's okay. All right? I will give you guys one tip, and here's the tip. Every time you see a genealogy, in Hebrew it's called a toledot. Every time you see a, a genealogy, it basically means stop. The last name in that genealogy is going to mark a shift in the development. The last name is going to be kind of foreshadowing what God's going to do. That last name is important because God's going to start shifting the narrative to what he's doing with that person's name. So that's pretty cool. And we see that at the end of the Ruth, the last name is David. He's going to be King David. He's going to be the king that sets Israel free from their enemies. The greatest king, in fact, the king that all the future prophets and people of Israel look to, that the Messiah should be like King David. What's cool about King David 
is you guys are going to have to start coming to church next year because we're doing an eight-week series starting in mid-January on the life of David. And it's going to be really awesome. We'll get into it now. We don't have time for it. Also, if you're coming to church and you're excited about David next week, you're going to have to wait because there's not going to be any church next week. We're taking a break. Enjoy time with your family. It's New Year's Eve. So those are just two quick announcements. But a thousand years later, there's going to be another genealogy that's written. It's going to be written in the book of Matthew. And Matthew starts off with a genealogy. And you can read it, and sometimes it's like, all right, Matthew is a, Matthew 1 is a big genealogy. Well, I'm just going to start reading in Matthew 2. The last name in that genealogy is Jesus Christ. Signifying that at the very start of the New Testament, that God is about doing something new with Jesus Christ. And what's amazing about this is at the end of Matthew's genealogy, there's no more genealogies. The reason why is Jesus Christ is the last needed genealogy for God's plan. It's the reason why we celebrate Christmas. We don't need to think about genealogies anymore because all of us, if we believe in Christ, are adopted into Christ. This is the beautiful message of Christmas. Our adoption by God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that if you believe in this story, then you're saved. And, and Ruth, I think, helps us understand that story because Boaz is acting like Christ. He's saving Ruth. It's a beautiful picture. Um, I'm going to go ahead and invite um, uh, the Flores family up and also Jacob up. Um, and so if you guys want to come on up, if you guys want to come on up to the stage, Flores, David and Betsy and Jacob. We're actually going to close, um, close out kind of the teaching portion of, um, of today um, with reading Ruth 4. And it's meant to be somewhat contemplative for you guys. And, and here's why. We, we shared um, uh, just uh, an awesome, um, awesome story. So let's think about it. Let's think about what God's doing because God's always at work. And sometimes we don't see it. Naomi didn't see it. And I'm so excited for the Flores to share because they, in some ways, are living out the story of Ruth. They're from Honduras. They're going through the immigration process. And um, they're going to actually read the story to us in Spanish. And so I know there's a few people who speak Spanish. You'll know what's going on. I'm excited because I don't. But I just get to think about sometimes God's weaving a story that I don't understand. But the end is going to be good. And the end is going to be beautiful. Capítulo 4 Ruth por su parte subió hasta la puerta de la ciudad y se sentó ahí en eso pasó el pariente redentor que él había mencionado ven acá amigo mío y siéntate le dijo Ruth el hombre fue y se sentó entonces Ruth llamó a diez de los ancianos de la ciudad y les dijo siéntense aquí y ellos se sentaron y vos les dijo al pariente redentor Noemí que ha regresado de la tierra de Moab está vendiendo el terreno que pertenecía a nuestros hermanos 
Limelec. Consideré que debía informarle del asunto y sugirió que lo y su, sugerirte que lo compres en presencia de estos testigos y de todos los ancianos de mi pueblo. Si vas a redimir el terreno, hazlo, pero si no vas a redimirlo, házmelo saber para que yo lo sepa, porque ningún otro tiene el derecho de redimirlo sino tú, y después de ti yo tengo ese derecho. Yo le, yo le, le redimo, le contestó. Pero vos le aclaró el día que adquieras el terreno de Noemí, adquieres también a Ruth, la moabita, viuda del difunto, a fin de conservar su nombre junto a su heredad. Entonces no puedo redimirlo, respondió el pariente redentor, porque podría perjudicar mi propia herencia. Redímelo tú, que sé de mi derecho. Yo no puedo ejercerlo. En aquellos tiempos, para ratificar la redención o el traspaso de una propiedad en Israel, una de las partes contratantes se quita las sandalias y se la da a la otra. Así se acostumbra legalizar los contratos en Israel. Por eso tu pariente redentor le dijo a vos, cómprale tú y se quitó las sandalias. Entonces vos proclamó ante los ancianos y ante, ante el pueblo, hoy sois ustedes testigos de que le he comprado a Noemí toda la propiedad de Limelec, Kilión y Maclov, y de que he, he tomado como esposa a Ruth, la Moabita, viuda de Maclov, a fin de preservar el nombre del difunto con su heredad, para que su nombre no desaparezca de entre su familia ni de los registros del pueblo. Hoy son ustedes testigos. Versículo 11. Los ancianos y todos los que estaban en la puerta respondieron, somos testigos. Que el Señor haga que la mujer que va a formar parte de tu hogar sea como Raquel y Lea, quienes juntas edificaron el pueblo de Israel. Que sea su nombre ilustre en Éfrata y que adquieras renombre en Belén. Que por medio de esta joven el Señor te conceda una, una descendencia tal que tu familia sea como la de Fares, el hijo que Tamar le dio a Judá. Genealogía de David. Así que Boaz tomó a Ruth y se casó con ella. Cuando se unieron, el Señor le concedió quedar embarazada, de modo que tuvo un hijo. Las mujeres le decían a Noemí, Alabado sea el Señor, que no te ha dejado sin un Redentor, que llegue a tener renombre en Israel. Este niño renovará tu vida y te sustentará en la vejez, porque lo ha dado a luz tu nuera que te ama y es para ti mejor que siete hijos. Noemí tomó al niño, lo puso en su regazo y se encargó de criarlo. Las vecinas decían, Noemí ha tenido un hijo y lo llamaron Obed. Este fue el padre de Isaí, padre de David. Así que ese es el linaje de Fares. Fares fue el padre de Gestrón, Gestrón el padre de Ram, Ram el padre de Aminadab, Aminadab el padre de Naasón, Naasón el padre de Salmón, Salmón el padre de Boaz, Boaz el padre de Obed, 
Obed, el padre de Isaí, e Isaí, el padre de David. The band wants to come back up. Um, we're going to close out in a, a song. Before we do, I, I know we've got a lot of guests and visitors. Um, I'm so excited to have you guys. Um, just uh, at Awaken Church, we, we don't really do kind of crazy altar calls or ask people to raise their hands up if they want to believe in Jesus during a prayer. But we do say, if, if that's you, if, if this lump of coal makes sense, that, that your desires to be transformed by opening the gift of eternal life to Christ, would you just talk to the person that brought you? Would you talk to a family member? This is, we're just a family church, and it's super meaningful to us. And if that's you, if this story's making sense, I just encourage you to make that decision this Christmas. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to have one more song. We're just going to party and celebrate. So kids, get ready, but let's open up, a, let's, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, uh, thank you so much, Lord, for just your gift of Christ. Thank you, even the, the beauty is that it wasn't just for one people, but for all people. God, thank you that even just hearing scripture in another language reminds us, God, that you love all of humanity. And God, that you are here to redeem us. And thank you that we get to think about that and meditate on it, believe it, and celebrate it both today and tomorrow. We pray this in your name. Everyone, please stand with us as we close out. Uh, we've got a uh, fun note here, so uh, just sing along, have fun. Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm.